Welcome to 15 Minutes in Hell. It's a 15-minute interview show. I'm not doing the preamble anymore. You know I ask people questions. I don't need to be condescending to you. Joining me today is Taylor Lorenz, the author of Extremely Online, The Untold Story of Fame, Influence, and Power on the Internet. Available for pre-order now. Please pre-order it, she said. And it's out October 3rd. She's also a columnist at The Washington Post and used to write for The New York Times. Taylor, how you doing? How's it going? All right. So... I haven't read your book yet, but I think I have a fairly straightforward first question. Do you think we need specialized online culture reporters or is just being online part of being alive? (laughs) No, I think we definitely need specialized culture reporters. I don't really make the distinction between like internet culture and real life culture. But yes, I think culture coverage is incredibly important. I just don't really think that we need to delineate culture between like what's online culture and what's offline culture. So, but looking this up and honestly looking around the ephemera of online culture, it almost strikes me as we kind of need gossip, business tech. It feels like the way that online culture is being covered is just, or just being online is kind of being half-assed. Would you agree? Well, sure. (laughs) I'm not just saying that I half-ass my stories. I don't. But um, yeah, I mean, I think unfortunately, what a lot of media outlets pass for online culture coverage, I mean, the Lil Tay thing is the perfect example of this, is just cheap SEO clickbait. Would you mind walking through the Lil Tay thing? Yes. (laughs) I wrote a big feature about Lil Tay back in 2019 um, for The Atlantic, which people just Google Lil Tay and Taylor Lorenz, you'll read it. But Lil Tay was this um, young girl at the time, I think she was eight or nine years old. She was being exploited by her older brother, who's a huge Keemstar fan, wanted to be an influencer. He was, um, you know, basically verbally and emotionally abusing this young girl into playing this character of kind of like a young, like hip hop type influencer on the internet. And she went by Lil Tay. She called herself the youngest flexor. It turns out that the brother, the older brother was like masterminding all of this. And then also the kids were involved in this must in a really messy um, custody battle. And last week, this Instagram account or this Instagram post went up on her account, which has been dormant for four years. Thankfully, she was back in school and had shut down the account. Um, but said that she died. And so there's no evidence that she died. No one bothered to call the police department. What did all of these media outlets do? They immediately just ran stories clickbaiting the alleged death of a child without ever even confirming it, just going off an Instagram post. And it was disgusting. And (laughs) I think that's a perfect example of lazy internet culture reporting where you saw a lot of, you know, of course, later some, you know, internet culture, NBC did a good story kind of digging into what happened. And I saw Jacob Shamson who didn't cover it, but he's a legal reporter insider was sort of posting about it on Twitter. But, um, you know, it's just, it's really lazy, irresponsible journalism. And it's like, what's trending on TikTok? How can we write up a quick explainer? And it doesn't say anything. I mean, I think it doesn't say anything about the broader world and good culture coverage, I think, should tell you, like, not not only what is this TikTok trend, but why does it matter? What does it say about the state of technology or culture or the way we live, right? Like, why is it relevant? And yeah, a lot of coverage doesn't include that because... It's traffic hungry uh, editors that are, you know, assigning poor 20 year olds to just write up SEO hits. And how do you think the news could actually improve this coverage? I mean, first of all, no one should be reporting the death of a child, especially a child that's been so exploited on the Internet. 
without confirming her death, which almost no one bothered to do. Actually, a BBC journalist did another good thread, too, explaining why they, you know, how they confirmed deaths and why they didn't run the story. Um, I mean, good. I was actually out on a reporting trip all last week. But um, I mean, you should have called the local police precinct, pulled death records, found out the cause of death, gotten a statement from the family, confirmed it. You don't just take something that somebody posted on Instagram. You don't even know who posted that on her Instagram. Her brother, you know, her kind of abusive brother was the one that was last running that Instagram account and run it. You should actually report it out and report what happened and report the behind the scenes. And that's what I did with my original Lil Tay story as well. Like, you know, it's not just, oh my God, haha, look at this viral, funny girl that's saying all this stuff on the internet. Who is she? Let's just write up some boring explainer, but dig into like, okay, why is this not, why is there a nine-year-old that's sort of blown up that's saying all these inflammatory things and shouting slurs on Instagram? Like what, what led to this and who's, where are her parents? Who's actually running this account? You know, is she in school? Like just basic questions that any of us should ask in the, you know, in the course of reporting. And I think you saw a bit of this with, and I'm going to talk the listeners through if they thankfully escaped this. There was the thing with this child that was referred to as Baby Gronk. Yeah, same thing. Who's a young football player. I've been getting the DMs from the father. Yes, same thing. And this horrible father, this noxious person, has been terrorizing this poor child, making him go on numerous shows, clearly pushing him to say stuff, pushing him into the pushing him into the limelight, possibly of, I mean, how much industry, I don't remember how young he is, but he's not even a teenager, he's I believe. He's a child. He's a yeah. child. Do you even yeah. think it's right to cover these things? Yeah, of course. I mean, I think these things are viral and they deserve critical coverage. And sometimes you coverage, you know, you cover stories that have to do with children, but you need to cover them through a responsible lens. And to take an exploited child and then use them for clickbait is not good journalism. Um, you know, to report on it and to talk about it and say, like, look, here's what's going on. Here's the backstory, which some outlets did. I think some, there were some good sports out. It's funny, actually, there's, you know, that guy, Jack, I think it's Jack McCabe at Barstool. He actually did a video that was like, you know, this this dad is notorious for kind of, you know, pushing this kid out there and like everyone should take a step back and instead of just, you know, running with with this storyline. And I, I think there's you know, the internet is run by children and we all have to cover underage people at certain points. But I think we just need, um, yeah, we just need, it's just, it's basic reporting, Ed. I mean, it's just like, just do reporting. And unfortunately, because of the incentive structure in media today, a lot of journalists are not given the chance to do reporting and, um, you know, they're pressured into getting a story up fast. I, I mean, my first job was at the Daily Mail where I wrote, seven or eight stories in one day sometimes. You know, you just don't have time to actually do reporting when you have to get content up on the internet that fast. It's more of an aggregation game. And so um, I think those are, yeah, those are problems in journalism. Do you not think that one might age out of online coverage? To your own point, you said that children run the internet. Is there not a danger to that? Uh, well, no. <laughs> That is ridiculous. Um, every time people say that, I say, look at look at boomers. I mean, look at something like January 6th. I mean, I wrote a lot about the monetization of the live streams while they were storming the Capitol. That was all boom. That's all boomer. I mean, boomers are online more than anyone. The notion it's such a ridiculous, frankly, out of touch notion to think that it's only children that, that on the internet culture means children like that's crazy. I mean, 
I'm a woman in my late 30s. So all my friends are parents. There's no one that's more online than like, you know, young moms or parents, moms in general are, are super online and shape culture. And I've written tons of stories about that. But um, no, I think that's, that's a very silly notion. I mean, I think young people always define pop culture. And so if you're going to cover pop culture, just the way that if you're a music journalist, and you're a pop culture journalist, like, yeah, you're going to end up covering sort of like youth culture. But no, the notion that internet culture only affects kids is I think part of the reason why we're in this bad situation we're in today where people just dismiss internet culture as unserious coverage. And you have these tech people saying, oh, ha ha, he he, Taylor Lorenz is a TikTok reporter because it's synonymous with youth. That's crazy <laughs> because what happens on TikTok, it's, it reminds me actually when I started covering YouTube too, people would say, oh, he he, you know, Taylor Lorenz, she writes about that, the, the um, website for cat videos, you know, she's writing about YouTube, it's for cat videos. Obviously, we see, no, these platforms have serious impacts on democracy and culture and, you know, relations between it, like sort of cultural relations between different groups. We should take the internet seriously. That is my whole thesis for my beat. And um, it's not something that should be written off as a silly teen. And I think to that point, you're seeing it right now with this, what is that, rich men of North Richmond, this oafish fellow with his weird song about how capital gains yes. taxes should be lower and the yes. people aren't paid enough and also using Reaganite era welfare queen language. It is interesting that it, it's almost a sociological phenomena, I feel. And I feel that most online journalism is missing that. They're almost, they would absolutely see it for what it was if it was people like sending thousands of letters to congressmen. Yes. But the idea of paying to send the least remarkable country song of all time up the charts is somehow they're missing that. They're just like, oh, wow, suddenly there's a popular song. Hmm. Well, I think, I mean, again, it just goes back to the incentive structure of journalism is that a lot of reporters don't have time to do reporting. And there's this, you know, you're you're pressured to get the kind of the quick hit up, just get, you know, take everything at surface value and get it up. I mean, we see this, speaking of, it's so funny too, when people say, um, oh, you know, influencer culture, that's for kids. Like, look at people like Matt Walsh, right? Or Steven Crowder, or, you know, any of these people that are like driving these, that are influencers. I mean, the Daily Wire just prints these influencers, but like, they're driving these news cycles right around like outrage and, you know, often around the LGBTQ community. And you see reporters write it up as like, Oh, you know, Dylan Mulvaney, groomer allegations, backlash, you know, we break down what you need to know or five fast things to know about XYZ. It's just these sort of quick traffic plays. And so audiences don't end up very informed because journalists don't have time to actually do journalism. And a lot of journalists are lazy and they don't do journalism because they'd rather just get the quick traffic themselves. And I think that's a tragedy. Do you think you're getting bitter? with this stuff i'm not <laughs> no oh my god ed did you read my if you read my tumblr post from 2009 i used to write tirades about this stuff no it's perhaps it's more how do you avoid becoming embittered by it i don't think it's a bit embittered i i think i i actually have a lot more empathy i think i used to you know have a, just such a deep hatred of the mainstream media and and kind of the way they covered the internet and now that i've been in it for a while i sort of 
have more empathy and I understand a little bit why these things are the way they are. And often it's not individual journalists' faults. It's these structural problems with the media, especially legacy media, which, by the way, my book is about. Um, so pre-order. But um, yeah, no, I, I just think that we need more awareness of this stuff so that we can change and we can push back on that kind of reporting. I was glad to see actually in it, after the little taste stuff, for instance, that BBC journalist doing a thread and people like Jacob at Insider, you know, posting about it and and other really good, I mean, there's a lot of incredible women on my beat that do cover online culture that do a phenomenal job of it, obviously, like Kat Tenbarge, um, you know, Rebecca Jennings, like there's the- Morgan there's Sung these, over at TechCrunch. Oh, Morgan Sung is amazing. I mean, there's so many, I, I could name them all, but, um, you know, the, the, they, they are going to write the thoughtful coverage. But the problem is, like I said, is like those 20-year-olds at the Daily Mail that just, they have to- do turn around 10 stories a day, or they're just a general assignment kind of breaking news writer. So much of the stuff, if you click on what, you know, who wrote it, it's not an internet culture reporter. It's a breaking news writer that has no context on the situation. It feels like we're almost heading toward a mass, cal- I wouldn't say a mass calamity. Maybe that's a bit dramatic, but a genuine sense that we are going to continue being led until people realize or real damage is done. I just feel like online culture is becoming more manipulative. It feels like every TikTok trend gets a piece of coverage. How do you avoid being tricked by finding three sources that all agree on something and just writing up like kids are interested in food mood when they need food? Because you can't, because that's, that's exactly what I'm talking about. That's the, that coverage doesn't tell you anything. You have to say why it matters. What is the thesis statement? Like, what does this say about technology? And how is your point bolstered? It can't just be some TikToks. It should, like, there's every story that I write that's sort of a trend story, which I don't only do trend stories, but if I do them, it has to, it has to say something about the state of technology. And that's usually you're, you're getting a lot more inputs than just some TikTok trends. The explainer of the TikTok trends, that's just SEO hits. Again, it's these news organizations wanting traffic. And I do think that we're in the, the sort of the, we're in kind of a weird spot because as I wrote about in my book, there was this sort of inflection point, one in 2017 around the adpocalypse on YouTube and Logan Paul filming the dead body and sort of the PewDiePie story when people started to pay attention to online culture. And then again in the p- pandemic, when right when the pandemic kicked off, everyone's like, oh shit, we should start paying attention to the internet. I guess that's all there is now. But you don't have a lot. There's just not enough. Frankly, there's not. I disagree with what you said earlier. I think there's not enough internet culture coverage. I wish there was more. And I don't really distinguish between it, online culture and off. But like, I think we need more thoughtful cultural commentary and coverage. And you do ironically see a lot of that actually on TikTok and YouTube. And I think that's where a lot of it's going. I think it's moving away from journalists and um, on to people who sort of make their whole brand cultural commentators. Um because they because they have the bandwidth and that's you know they can monetize just doing that they don't have to turn around quick stories. How do you feel about threads? Well, I'm threads pilled. I like it because <laughs> I I like why. But I sign up for every app on the planet. I mean, it doesn't have any of the features that Twitter X or whatever has. But who knows? I mean, Facebook's never made a successful app before, so I don't have huge faith that they'll be able to do it. But I'm hoping they will. I think Elon's done a good job of rehabilitating uh, Mark Zuckerberg's image. Well, that's all the time we've got right now. Thank you so much for coming on, Taylor. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to 50 Minutes in Hell. I'm Ed Zitron. You can find us at slash podcast. Find us on iTunes, Spotify, and most places you find podcasts. Thank you for listening. <laughs>